Jamie. Welcome to Driver Fix the Podcast, where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake off. And today we are going to be discussing the 19th episode of Season 5 of Supernatural, titled Hammer of the Gods. And Jamie, very quickly, before I ask you what mm. you think, I do just want to put a little disclaimer here. Now, neither Jamie or I are religious. And I'm going to be honest, the most I know about Christian religion is from watching Supernatural. So we are not the best people to know if certain portrayals of characters in this episode are harmful or problematic or offensive. So we are largely not going to touch it. But if you have opinions on that particular aspect of this episode, feel free to come and chat to us about it in any of the many social medias that we are on. We just don't have the background information and we're not going to try to have opinions on it because we are not educated in the topic. So just a blanket statement before we start the episode. Only research we do going into the Supernatural podcast episode is watch the episode of Supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what they've presented. So anyway. Hopefully it's not as big yikes as Supernatural. I think this episode generally probably receives a blanket big yikes in that particular regard. But that's the thing. I don't actually know. I'm just going by their track record. I'm going to assume that there's a blanket big yikes over this episode. I personally don't remember seeing anything in particular come up, come up about it in fandom. But again, that's coming out of my To be fair, though, you also did forget about this episode. I forgot about a lot of shit that happened in this episode. I really did. We, I, we got up to the scene where they're talking about <laughs> the fucking get-along cage. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot they told us that. At this stage, <laughs> I would just like to say thank you to all the fans that believed in me <laughs> and my vision of the Get Along Cage. It has been a true honour to have yet another joke kind of semi come true. I have been saying, though, all season they should stop trying to kill Lucifer because good old Lucy's not dying anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they still do have that big old cage they can strap him back in. They do. They do. In, in all fairness, they, there is no mention of putting Michael in the cage, so... The specific get-alongness of the cage mm. is uh, not really present here, but putting Lucifer back in certainly is. <laughs> yeah. Or, plot twist, just put Michael in the cage. Ooh, okay. And then mm. what? Like, just let Lucifer run around with no opponent? I mean, his vessel's <laughs> kind of falling apart, so, like, what's he going to do? That's also valid. Okay. Before we get too f- much further into this, Jamie, what did you think? It was driving you insane that we it hadn't was. done it yet. I was like, we re- I need to say. <laughs> I just want to say that I am so saddened by this episode. We get an icon of a character. We get exactly the sort of character that I hyperfixate on. Mm-hmm. Carly is an icon and I love them. And I am so sad because I'm assuming we never see them again. I don't think we ever see them again. They're not set up to be a character that's reoccurring. No. Maybe if Gabe had also lived. Because, mm. like, they live, but Gabe dies. Yeah. But if, like, if Gabe had lived, then maybe we would see her with Gabe. But, like, because he's dead, it's... Yeah, which R.I.P. Gabe, just a quick little, little, another lost angel. We did lose Zacky Boy recently, mm. although... Although, we did get a spotlight on Sam and Dean. Yeah. So maybe Zacky Boy lives on in spirit. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the spotlight is Zacky Boy. He's illuminating us from beyond. <laughs> What's that fucking meme? Where it's like... Game of Quit, t- <laughs> quit telling everyone I'm dead. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> but I guess, yeah, also. <laughs> Game of Confused, the Bale of Death. Okay, so we loved we loved Carly mm-hmm. as, a, as a character. Yeah. 
And I'm very sad that she will probably never come back. Yeah, I don't think we ever see Carly again. I certainly can't remember an episode where we see yeah. her come back up. But again... There's 15 seasons of this I've bullshit. been wrong before. <laughs> oh, speaking of me being wrong, I have to admit that I was wrong about oh. something. I know. Shocking. Yeah, normally you just don't admit it. Yeah, normally I just pretend that I forgot that I said it. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, genuinely. We've been talking about, like, the story of, like, Michael and Lucifer and mm-hmm. Sam and blah, 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 obviously, and talking about, like, the mm-hmm. birth order of the yeah. Archangels. And I said that Lucifer was the youngest. For some reason, in my mind, I always thought that Lucifer was the youngest Archangel. But in this episode, he literally refers to Gabriel as his younger brother and tells him, you learned all your tricks from me, which implies that Lucifer is actually older than Gabe. Which changes the birth order. It does. You're right, because I was thinking, because I didn't catch that. I caught the bit where he was like, you know, you were always the favourite. And then daddy brought home a new, new shiny baby. baby. Yeah. And I was assuming he was meaning like Earth and the humans as the new shiny baby. Yes, that is what he, he was yeah. implying there. Yeah. But I didn't catch the younger, younger brother, brother thing. Yeah. Which, so that leaves Sam and Dean as, and then makes like Adam the Gabe equivalent. Yeah. Where does Raphael fit in all this? I don't know, man. I I think we put more thought into it than they did. Or did the supernatural writers just forget their own lore? Probably. Probably. What's more likely? To be fair, I don't really have a leg to stand on here because the point is that I forgot their lore. So... (laughs) But I feel like this lore has not been established anywhere else. Yeah, I can't think of any other point where we get a birth order, and I must have just assumed Lucifer was youngest for some fucking reason. Maybe just because of the Sam thing, like the younger brother. Mm. Because, like, Gabe himself in Changing Channels specifies, like, Lucifer, the older brother, Michael, the younger brother. He doesn't actually insert himself anywhere in that storyline. I just Michael, the older brother, Lucifer, the... So, you know, I just kind of maybe assumed that Gabe was somewhere in the middle there. But no, apparently he's younger than Lucifer. Again, age is relative. They're immortal beings who are likely created within an instant of each other. But mm. as we had from Naomi the other episode, the oldest sibling. Automatically. By by technicality, you know, she is the eldest. <laughs> from what I'm telling on the Bible law websites that I'm on, <laughs> basically, in the original law, in the Bible canon, the only archangel is Michael. Lucifer is not an archangel. He's just a normal angel who fell. He's just the first angel who fell. And Gabriel is not an archangel. Rather, he is an angel who's also a messenger of God. So Gabriel in the Bible, from what I'm telling from really briefly skimming some websites, cannot emphasize how briefly I'm skimming (laughs) these websites, is more equivalent to, you know how we had the gardener a couple of episodes in Dark Side of the Moon? Joshua. More equivalent to sort of that. But like the only archangel that is named in the actual Bible is Michael. So that's probably why when I was doing all of my searches for, like, angels and shit, I was like, oh, Michael's popping up all the time. Because he's literally the archangel. Singular. So Raphael's been pulled out of fucking nowhere, from what I can tell. (laughs) It's interesting that you said that Gabriel is the messenger for God, because in this episode, he basically just says, (laughs) fuck you's all, I'm on the side of humanity. And he argues for the sake of humanity. He says, dad was right, they are better than us. And... He has a whole little bit about how, yeah, they suck, <laughs> but some of them try. And I was like, wow, the plot of The Good Place. <laughs> I have learned more about the Christian Bible in this last 20 minutes than I did in five years to be of fair, private though, schooling. <laughs> this is all from a website, and it doesn't necessarily specify to me which version of the Bible. Okay. So 
depending on the translation, obviously there's quite a bit of variation in yeah. like the actual reading of the Bible. So take everything that I just said with a grain of salt. Oh, I have a guess for your PSA. Oh, you have a guess for my PSA? I do. Okay then, Bethany, what do you think my PSA of the day is going to be this week? My guess for your PSA is don't leave metal utensils in boiling pots. That is oddly specific. It is. It's from when they go into the kitchen mm-hmm. and Dina's like, please let this be tomato soup. Please let this be tomato soup. And they find eyeballs, the universal sign of it not, not being <laughs> soup. <laughs> exactly. Also, I don't know why I'm saying tomato. That's not how I say tomato. I say tomato, but I, <laughs> I think I'm just imitating Dean. Anyway, point is... He's sad that it's not soup. And what he does is he grabs the metal spoon that is fully submerged in the fucking boiling liquid. And I'm like, do you not understand how that works? Yeah. That spoon is hot. Not my PSA for the day. Oh, okay. I thought I was onto something there. Okay. I yeah. was excited. I wrote it down. I was like, we have had kitchen fucking safety so many times. Yeah. <laughs> My PSA of the day. If you're following someone and you don't want them to know that you're following you, oh my God. maybe follow behind them at a distance <laughs> greater than like two and a half, three meters. The note I wrote was, ah, yes, Sam, with the subtlety of a moose. <laughs> so obvious. He literally is just the worst stalker of all time. It's like when he's like trying to keep an eye on like whatever victim of the week and he just stares directly into their windows. <laughs> Normally Dean reserves all of his staring for cast. Exactly. And to be fair, that's also pretty overt. Yeah. Though Cass isn't in this episode because they don't know where he is. Yeah, well, last episode he, like, banished himself. And unfortunately, unlike the Antichrist, he doesn't have a helpful poster that suggests where he may have gone. Unfortunately, we don't know for certain that he's gone to Bondi Beach. Yeah. Unlike the Antichrist. Yeah. Oh, also about Sam this episode, Mm. I just wanted to put in a note here. His sideburns are really growing in. He is. And that frustrates me because Mm -hmm. I don't love it. It's not one of my favourite looks for Sam. They really hit their stride in Gamble through early Carver. Like, I would argue they become full mutton chops, Mm -hmm. but I could really see them beginning here. I wanted to talk about the hotel. Okay. In this episode. Yeah. Because... It's named Elysium, which means place of heaven. Mm, Throne of heaven. I'm pretty sure Elysium is in Greek mythology as... I'm assuming you have the answer. You can put I do. Me out of the, 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 you know, it is Greek. It is Greek. It is Greek. Past <laughs> the fields of Elysium. I was going to say, the, it's, the hotel is called Elysium Fields Hotel. And I was like, that's got to mean something. I knew I recognized it. It's the fucking fields of Elysium. It's basically the heaven equivalent in Greek mythology. So you've got the underworld and you've got the Asphodel fields, which are like nothing. Like mm-hmm. they're boring, but they're not actively harmful. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, like, the torturous side of the underworld, which I cannot remember the name of for the life of me. So I thought that was interesting. We also had uh, the Astro something, Astro Lounge, which was, like, the bar. Mm-hmm. And Googling that, apparently, that's a studio album by Smash Mouth. <laughs> so, uh, so Astro Lounge, clearly this is what they named the bar after, is the second studio album by American rock band Smash Mouth, released on June 8th, 1999. By Interscope Records, it includes the single All Star, arguably the group's most well-known song, which nearly topped the US Billboard Hot 100. I'm going to argue that was probably because of Shrek. So, mm-hmm. if you've ever wondered, is there a direct connection between Supernatural and Shrek? The answer is yes. And it's through Smash Mouth. <laughs> it's via Smash Mouth. I actually... 
just googled that in real time and I didn't know. I assumed it was going to be like another kind of religious <laughs> thing, but literally everything that's coming up is... I'm assuming oh. it's a reference to astrotheology, which is any religious system founded upon the observation of the heavens. Apparently it is also a lounge, like a, a bar, I assume, in New Zealand. So we're going to New Zealand, right? Apparently it's in Christchurch. It closes soon. We're late to get on a flight to go. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, and they're not even busy right now, according oh to Google Oh my god. Live. We could have got a dinner. Fucking robbed. Wait, do you want to look at their menu? Yeah. <laughs> there is so much to talk about in this episode. This is not necessary. Okay, so it's part of a... Oh my god, no, fuck off. <laughs> oh no. Live audio of Bethany discovering facts. Oh no. Is it a gay bar? It's a fandom thing. It's... Okay, the website opens with a picture of the TARDIS. And the <gasps> quote, the force is strong with this one. May the source be with you. Astro Lounge is a unique and stylish establishment that offers a vintage-inspired atmosphere and decor that create a nostalgic and inviting ambiance. It's fucking fandom. <laughs> we really are getting wrong. Oh, this is so funny. You can buy something called Dalek shells. <laughs> are there any supernatural references on that menu? There is an entire section of burgers. So there's that. Wait, let me... Is there pie on the menu? That's such a great question. I'm scrolling. Okay. It doesn't look like there's pie. Oh my god, that's hilarious. They have a burger called the Hen Solo. <laughs> this has just turned into an ad for this place in New Zealand. I think I worked <laughs> out what it's an actual reference to, so... Okay, great. Asatro, A-S-A-T-R-O, is actually the worship of the Norse god. I have a feeling that it's more of a reference to that than um than either Smash Mouth or this one random restaurant yeah. in New Zealand. Yeah. Okay, but for real, if you live in New Zealand and you've been here, let us know if it's good because New Zealand's not that far. This is dumb. We need to move on. <laughs> anyway, the point is they named the places after things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No supernatural <laughs> references in there though. To the in the lounge. In the, yeah. No, I'm assuming it's very space. Yeah. specifically they had something called it, pigs in space or but something. it's wild then that it's also kind of low-key named after a location in supernatural that's so funny all we're missing is bbc sherlock which this episode oh my god i know <laughs> they had the moment where like all of the gods are assembled and they've all got the fucking hilarious hello my name is <laughs> If we, ever, funny, if we ever manage to get to a Supernatural convention, I may not be able to trick you into full cosplay, mm. but I think just having a hello my name is, and then being like Hera or like any of the gods. Yeah. Is there a redheaded? There's got to be. The issue is a lot of like, especially like the Greek and Roman gods, because that's what, that's the mythology. I was a Percy Jackson girl. Yeah. That's the mythology that I'm most familiar with. Most of them had what they described as, like, shifting appearances. They didn't have, like, a single look. A static. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're looking at, like, Aphrodite. Can you imagine the fucking audacity of me? Can you imagine if I put on a thing and said, hi, I'm Aphrodite? Like, how fucking... (laughs) How presumptuous. I know. But yes, no, the hello, my name is Badge. Whoever came up with that. So fucking funny. That's really funny. I think it's so good. I am really sad that we didn't get a hello, my name is Loki badge on Gabe. It would have been great if he just walked in the door with one. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be so funny if he had the hello, my name is Loki. And then when it's revealed that he's actually Gabe, it gets crossed out and replaced with Gabe. (laughs) But no, so we have the scene, they walk in, they've got the fucking hilarious name tags, which I've already gotten sidetracked by, I'm going past (laughs) it. 
And we get the flashes of, like, I think it's meant to signify, like, Dean and Sam realising who these people are. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be, like, oh, this is the person I'm seeing in front of me. And, like, in case the audience isn't familiar with the name Mm -hmm. on the badge, which they're drawing attention to, it's, like, here is, like, Delore. Like, specifically for Carly, we get, like, the Destroyer. And we Mm -hmm. see... Because she's an icon. She is an icon. I do love her. But it gave me big... Sherlock BBC vibes. Yeah, it's like, like when he's like zooming in on all of the yeah. fucking like the dog hair or whatever yeah. the fuck else he's using mm-hmm. to like put the crime together. Yeah. yeah. We get the revelation of this episode. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like you don't understand what I think the revelation is. Okay, I'm so excited to hear what it is. Gabe calls him Lucy. <laughs> I have been calling him Lucy as a joke since we got introduced to him as a character. It makes me so fucking happy mm-hmm. to have another character canonically refer to him as Lucy. It makes me so fucking happy. <laughs> like, it is the pinnacle of this episode for me. <laughs> like, I don't think you understand. <laughs> I was like, huh, this is a joke. As you always are. Yeah. You are always like, ha ha, this is a joke. And it's and never it's like, a joke, Jamie. <laughs> and then it turns out that actually it is... Something that happens in canon, and it also happens in canon at a pivotal moment. Oh, yeah. When Gabe says, no, fuck you, and you're fighting, I'm choosing the humans. Mm-hmm. Like, y'all can get fucked. I'm choosing the humans. Yeah, he, like, becomes an honorary member of Team Free Will. Like, mm-hmm. he is behind them at this point. Yeah. Which is that thing of Winchester derangement syndrome. I know. See, it's real. It's real. It even fucking works in Archangels. Thus far, the only one immune is, well... Michael, but we haven't really interacted with Michael Mm -hmm. outside of flashback. And Lucifer. Maybe Zachariah counts. Mm -hmm. But even then, he admitted that it was on him that he hadn't been able to close the deal. Personally, I would never have categorized the trickster as, like, a villain, Mm, if that makes sense. Is he necessarily, like, on their team? No. Mm -hmm. But he's just out here, like, creating... Like, he's He's on his own team. Yeah, he's got his own... Like... He's not necessarily against the Winchesters. He just fucking wishes that this shit would be over because he's done. Like, he's ready to, like, nope on out of it. So I don't know, like, because even, like, in the episodes where he's like, I'm just going to kill Dean, like, two dozen times, it's not really because he wants to kill them. Like, that's not the point here. Whereas it's like, you know, Michael and Lucy are both like, let's squish them like a bug a little bit. I think it would be fun for me. Gabe was never like that. Gabe was like, oh, I just want them to do their fucking job so it's over. Like, Yeah, so we can all go home. Yeah. Speaking of characters who are immune to Wish and Chester Derangement Syndrome, the fucking Ghostface's web series ad in the middle of the episode that comes out of nowhere. I'm assuming when it was originally aired, that come either before or after an ad break. Like, there was something in there. It did <laughs> the watching fact that they on, just left it in the streamed episode is so funny. Watching it on streaming, that just goes, really fucking serious scene. Ghost faces! <laughs> really fucking seriously. <laughs> fucking hilarious. It's so funny. It just comes out of nowhere. Like, and I'm assuming with the ad break in, it would have made more sense. But, like... It's I, so funny to see it on the streaming. Like, you'd think they would have at least put it at, like, the end of the yeah. episode or something. Or but the no. start of the episode. Like, but here's the thing. Okay. It used to be accompanied by, like, an actual ad break. Yeah. Was it before the ad break started or after the ad break? Like, which side did it get cut on? Because either is hilarious, because the scenes on both (laughs) sides are fucking serious. So either you're going super duper serious scene, ghost faces, ad break, super serious scene, or you're going super serious scene, ad break, 
Joyce faces super serious in. I think Either way, it's weird for the momentum of the episode. I think it must go normal ad break, then ghost faces. Because that way you just, you're not expecting it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you, it's, you're like, oh, I'm still watching the ad. And then it comes on and you're like, oh, it's not supernatural yet. Wait a minute. Wait a fucking minute. You know, I think that it's better paced there. Mm-hmm. But also in saying this, the scene before we get the ghost faces ad is the one where... <laughs> Gabe, like, comes to talk to the brothers. And this scene is so stupid. Gabe is talking about, like, like Dean basically threatens, like, if you don't do what we ask you to do, we'll just tell them your super secret identity. Yeah. And Gabe's like, well, I'll take away your voices. And Dean's like, well, we'll write it down. And he's like, well, I'll cut off your hands. And he's like, well, then they're all going to be asking why these guys run around with no hands. <laughs> it's so funny. Because Gabe is looking at him like, I fucking hate you. And I'm like, this is why. All the angels hate him, except one. <laughs> He's so annoying. Oh, okay. Here is something that I think someone else probably regretted. So, speaking of cutting people's hands off, at some point we get like an establishing shot of the kitchen and like they're preparing the people to be eaten, yeah. basically. And we get the shot of the guy's arm on the counter and like yeah. it's like fully like cut off like the bonus sh- mm-hmm. shit at the end. He's still wearing a sleeve. And I just think it would probably have been easier to remove his shirt before you started cutting him up. Well, that'd be really rude to him, wouldn't it? Undressing him without consent. Uh, they cut off his arm, Jamie, and he's dead. <laughs> but, like, I just, I just think that it seems odd. It'd be like cutting up, like, dicing an onion without peeling it first. Like, why mm. would you do that? You're just creating more work for yourself because now you have to pick pieces of onion peel out of your onion. Now they're going to have to pick pieces of shirt out of their soup. Why would you do that to yourself? Just take off the sleeve. Cut it off. It doesn't matter if you ruin the shirt. It's effectively ruined anyway. Okay, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Sorry. What Um, I am thinking, though, is it's really weird because this is the sort of episode where, like, it feels like they've just handed these guys a solution to their problems on a plate. But it feels like the solution that they've handed him is not the solution they should have been handed in this episode. Oh, okay. Interesting. They've just found out that, like, gods from other religions are real. Mm Mm-hmm. And instead of that being the solution they've been handed on a plate, Mm. they've just been told, oh, you can shove him back in the cave. Yeah, this is where this episode loses me a bit. I don't think that it makes any fucking sense that all of these gods, particularly all these gods combined... Mm are not enough to take out, not just, like, Christian God, but one archangel. One. The fact that Lucifer can walk in and kill basically everyone except Carly, and Carly only lives because Gabriel steps in. Another archangel. Fucked up, by the way, because she can hold her own. And she is actually the only one of any of the gods who even slightly holds her own against him. Right? But, like... He should not have been able to take out all of those gods. He specifically should not have been able to take them out that easily, especially Mm -hmm. when they are all there. And especially when he's not in his vessel. No, he's not even in power right now. Keeps on saying fucking no. Right? And, like, you can see in this episode that his, like, fucking face is peeling and stuff because the vessel isn't holding. Quick side note I don't think that his makeup is very good. And I don't mean to disparage anyone here, but it's just. You're stealing my job! Okay. I'm the one who criticizes. Do you agree with me though? Yeah. 
Like, usually the special effects makeup for Supernatural is, like, pretty good. Like, we've made fun of it a couple of times, but a couple of times across almost five full seasons is not a bad track record. And also, most of the time, it's been like, oh, I didn't like that creative decision when it comes. It's not necessarily that the makeup itself is bad. I just don't like the creative direction they went with it. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's like, oh, no, like, it's not the direction that's the problem. Like, the execution's just, like... It's just odd. Like For it, some reason, it just doesn't feel like the same as like last time we saw it, which it's not meant to, but it's meant to feel like a progression, but it doesn't. It's not even that. I just don't think that it... Like, I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, that's makeup. Yeah. Like, and you're not supposed... Like, l- when he like moves his forehead, there are definitive lines in the creases of his forehead where the makeup isn't. And so they show up way brighter, like red, because of the colour of his skin, than the rest of his forehead. Or like, you can clearly see that the makeup doesn't go down into his facial hair so he has two different skin tones and like there's this one scene i can't remember where it is but like it's very obviously patchy to where you can see multiple skin tones also in his nose Mm. and i'm like i don't know what was happening here but for some reason i don't know if it's maybe the product they were trying to use just wasn't holding or what but like or maybe it's like because of like the stunts or something like the scene took especially long to film so yeah. like he wore off more than it normally would and or... i think the like sores that they had on his face were mm. effective it was just like whatever white powdery stuff they also had going on i don't know what it was but for me i find it very distracting and normally i'm the kind of person who doesn't really notice but for some reason this particular episode this particular set, set of scenes yeah. like it just wasn't it i just have always thought that it looks odd and I don't, maybe that is just me. It could, it honestly could just be down to personal preference. I don't know. Like, I didn't love it. I, I don't think it was good special effects makeup. But, like, I didn't notice it anywhere as much as you did. But also that's maybe just because I haven't really ever seen this episode before. So I was. Yeah, you were distracted by other things. I was distracted by other things. Like, the fact that I turned out to be right about, like, three different things in this fucking episode. I know. In retrospect, I don't know why I didn't want you to do a live reaction. And we absolutely could have, because we watched this episode together, which we don't normally do. It's really on you. We yeah, probably again, should... it's my fault. We probably should have done a live reaction, because obviously we don't have a recording of it, which is a shame. But I was delighted when Gabe pulled out that first Lucy. I know you were. I was delighted. I also correctly predicted that Gabe was not dead. Like, Gabe, quote-unquote, dies. And I'm like, mm, no. I don't think he's dead. Like, that doesn't seem to be dead Gabe to me. And then he pops up in the car, and I'm like, I fucking knew this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and then he does actually die by the end of the episode. And I do think he is actually dead at the end of the episode. I think they certainly could have pulled the same plot twist twice. But I think they're taking this shit too seriously to pull the same plot twist twice. Because, you know, we're meant to be learning how big and strong and scary Lucy is. I do actually want to quickly touch on, like, when Gabe does die at the end of the episode and he's lying there. First of all, as always, I just fucking love the wing imagery. I just think it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that they chose to do it artistically. I think it's a great choice. Mm -hmm. And also, it's very clear his halo in this one because it falls on the tablecloth, which is white. So, like, it very is distinctive. They also chose in this episode to have, like, flakes of ash coming up in the shape of feathers, which I thought was really lovely as an addition i don't think we normally get that Mm. but what they also had was a fucking lamp (laughs) just lying there near his head it was one of the red ones that was from the table and i just thought it was really funny that just a singular lamp was lying there and i was like ah yes the lamp to angel pipeline it's strong the correlation is there it's honestly weird how strong it is like Mm -hmm. there is no reason for it to be that strong. And yet, 
here we are. We, we just keep on getting angels as lambs, which is weirdly specific. Just you wait. Oh, I do want to, like, personally, I don't like referencing the driver picks law because it is very niche. And that's assuming that everyone wants to actually listen to, like, every episode. 90 hours worth of driver picks content. So <laughs> I'm not going to tell you to go back and re listen to any of our back catalogue if you don't recognize this reference because I will explain it to you. But I think it's so fucking funny that we get the reference to, oh, yeah, no, food's in the pantry. Oh, my God. And it's referring to the fact that it's the pantry (laughs) that's full of people. In the second episode of this fucking goddamn show, in Wendigo, we made the joke about does the Wendigo just keep, like, a pantry fully stocked on humans? (laughs) Do you know what's so funny? It's in. Everybody loves a clown. We also talked about nose tail consumption and how it would make way more sense if the monsters all just had dinner together. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that we <laughs> are geniuses. You know, you've got to take your wins where you can. But I just think it's so fucking funny. That is not the reference that I ever thought would get more relevant somehow. And yet somehow, somehow here we are. The dodgeball meme. <laughs> the dodgeball meme. And, like, mind you, like, obviously Bethany's seen this shit before, so she sort of knew that this was coming up. But this is something that is such a small moment that I doubt that you were remembering and thinking of it when we were talking about it. I was not thinking about it at all. Oh, okay. I wanted to very quickly point out, because we haven't actually mentioned it yet, this week's episode was not written in the usual way that a supernatural episode mm. was written. The story was written by someone named David Reed, but the teleplay was written by Darwin Laughlin. Yeah, I was I, I didn't know if you'd noticed it when we were no, watching. No, I, I noticed the story by and I didn't recognise the name and I was like, okay. Yeah. So the story itself, like the concept was David yeah. Reed, but then the teleplay, so like the mm-hmm. nitty gritties of it, or like the develop for the screen part of it, yeah. was Darwin Laughlin. I actually think that of the Darwin Laughlin episodes, this is certainly not the most egregious one. However, I do think that as soon as you know that, some of the scenes do make way more sense. Like the scene where Dean is just hitting on Carly so like yeah. weirdly, and also the way that he watches the newlywed couple. Yeah, see? Yeah. yeah. You're like, oh, the thing they're putting I was in like, I just like, I was like, they're the worst scenes in this episode. Yeah. Like, by, like, this episode, by and large, I think is a fascinating episode. It is very interesting. I think it's also, considering the concept, it's a very fun episode. Like, they did not have to. Have the ghost faces and Casa Erotica. Yeah. And, yeah. Like. And Gabe is fun just in general. And- Gabe is always fun just in general, but also, like. I feel like this is what Tall Tales wanted to be. This is the vibes that Tall Tales was kind of going. Yeah. But Tall Tales had more weird jokes. Like, this one had some weird jokes. You know, the Castro Erotica is fucking a weird joke. But it's actually fucking funny. Yeah. It was so iconic of Gabe that he was going to hide secret instructions in his sex tape. (laughs) What a wild sentence to say. And honestly, the attention to detail in that fucking... The fact that... He's in room number 69. It's yeah. so funny. Uh-huh. Yeah. I also love the fact that low-key, the hotel room gives me, like, changing channel vibe. Obviously very different colour schemes, but it's that sort of very stereotypical, mm-hmm. like, over-the-top, you know, motel sort of vibe, which they do in a lot of episodes, but, like, for me, changing channels is, like, the pinnacle of that. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. But, like, you know, you've got that, and then you've got the fact that 
Dean's like weirdly staring at that couple making out. He has the line, I'm young at heart. Mm. And Dean, have we perhaps forgotten that you're actually secretly a 90-year-old at heart? Yeah. <laughs> because you did in fact spend so much fucking time dead. <laughs> did we perhaps forget about that? Just weird. And then like you've got, yeah, Dean hitting on Carly, which like I don't blame him, honestly. But like it's also just kind of weird because that's not how Dean normally hits on women. No. It, the whole situation is weird. I do think, though, that Carly as a character is, like, I really enjoy her. Yeah. The actress as well. Her performance, I think, is phenomenal. Yeah. As I said at the start of the episode, I am so sad that I don't think she's going to be a recurring character because she is so iconic. She's exactly what I look for in a blobo. Like, exactly, right. And here's the thing, like, I said at the top of the episode, Obviously, like, Jamie and I aren't super familiar with the religions that are being portrayed mm. here. And so, you know, if there is something particularly big yikes about it... Let us know. <laughs> let us know. But what I will say is that I really enjoy the speech that she gives before she kills Gabe, right? Yeah. So she makes the point that, like, this apocalypse or, like, this story is yours, not ours. You think you're the only ones. You're not the only religion and he's not the only god. There are billions of us and we were here first. And I, like, love that whole notion because, yeah, like, the supernatural story is very much obviously based in and around, like, Christian theology. theology. And the thing is that Supernatural as a show, they have shown us time and time again that, like, we have pagan gods and we have all of these different mythologies and things come together. Like, nothing is discounted. Yeah. And so it does seem weird that the God that they've defaulted to is the Christian ideology of it. And so I appreciate that she gets to say that and be like, you're not the default. We were here first. We have been here longer than you and we are not going to let you destroy this world in your pissing match. You have no claim here any more than the rest of us. And, like, that's why I think it sits so weird for me that Lucifer is able to basically just, like, kill all of them without even trying. That just feels whack. Like, it shouldn't be possible. He's not even the god. No. But what it does open up, which I do think is just, like, they just did not think it through, is what is the creation story within the supernatural universe? Because they can't all be right. And, like, what is the end of the world? Like, what is it? Because, like, the characters in this episode are flat out disagreeing about how the world is going to end and like, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, well, unless they're all wrong, but they're literally gods. So how can they... Either that or they're all right. Yeah, exactly. Like it kind of has to be one or the other. And so I think it's this weird kind of hole they've dug for themselves where they're like, well, you can't say that Odin exists and that the story of Odin is true without acknowledging the fact that that disproves the other religions that and like stuff that you've chosen to include already so i think it's just this weird kind of personally i think i'm gonna believe in the supernatural universe that they're all true simultaneously yeah i think i have to like it's it's sort of like you know i think one of the examples we got was that odin was going to get eaten by a wolf and so that's the end of the world in there like i think that the apocalypse is the apocalypse and part of that is that odin will get eaten by a wolf so somehow all of them tie together yeah and it's sort of like they're all just looking at their own individual piece mm-hmm. and what it looks like for specifically them. But it's like when it's actually the end of the world, all the pieces will happen. Then yeah. all of the religions will come to their prophesized end and it will all somehow be one story. Yeah. Yeah, I think you kind of have to look at it like that because otherwise, yeah, it just doesn't make any reasonable amount of sense. 
What doesn't make sense, though, in this episode? We have Dean once again being like, yeah, no, this food is fine. He was like, I'm just going to eat, like, these definitely pagan gods' food, and oh. that's going to be fine. Last time, there was it was definitely a trap. And I'm pretty sure it's also meant to be, like, a pagan god of some sort. Because Scarecrow, it's the, like, the tree oh, god thing. Oh, yeah. A Norse god, I think, Norse. in that particular in that particular episode. Yeah. What is it with Norse gods trying to kill Dean with pie? Actually, do you know what? There was also, when Sam got kidnapped for the Demon Hunger Games, that mm. was also, like, Dean was like, don't forget the pie. Yeah. Every time there's pie, maybe pie is an omen. I'm going to be looking out for that now. <laughs> I actually want to talk about this. Obviously, like, Dean is eating and Dean and food is, like, a whole thing, so we have to mention it. But in this episode, there are three instances of him being specifically about food. Number one, he is looking at the pies and stuff in, like, the buffet, and he's picked one of the pieces to take back with him. Mm-hmm. Number two, he... Oh, he steals the Oreo or, like, whatever, like, chocolate mm-hmm. circular biscuits, and he eats that. And then also we have him taking the chocolates off of the bed in the, when, they, when they get to the room. And so, like, I think these are just, like, very silly little bits. Like, oh, yeah, like, Dean and food, Dean and pie, like, whatever. What I think is really interesting is when he goes back and he sits with Sam and he has his piece of pie and Sam has a whole plate full of vegetables. We talk a lot about Dean and food. We mm. don't talk about Sam and food so much. But I think that this is a really good, like, maybe jumping off point to be keeping out an eye for, like, Sam and food as well. Because Dean and Sam have very, very different food preferences. And Sam is particularly interesting because he almost exclusively leans towards what you would consider, like, quote-unquote healthier foods. So Mm -hmm. lots of fruit and veg and that kind of thing. Towards the end of the series, it's implied that he's a vegetarian. And I do say implied. Because they weirdly approach Sam being a vegetarian with the same hesitancy that they approach Dean being queer. It's like they can imply it very heavily, but they can't say it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Look, it's I... bizarre. They're like, oh, vegetarianism. No, that would be too feminine for our manly man main characters. So we're just going to heavily imply that he no longer eats mm. meat and hasn't for X amount of time. Look, they know one trick, and that's gaslighting. <laughs> so you have that in common. <laughs> So what is really interesting, and I have seen a lot of matter about this, is that particularly post-demon blood addiction, Mm -hmm. Sam is, like, very much on that, like, health kick mentality. Like, he basically only eats fresh foods and he, like, exercises canonically. Like, it's very much, like, basically the concept that's used a lot in meta is that he is trying to almost cleanse himself and i think that that's an interesting thing for him to turn to post could it also just be because those sort of foods are harder for other people to tamper with I mean, so it's like about sort of the more control over like just knowing that he's not you know because he did have that entire plot line where he was basically forced to consume it again yeah and maybe that sort of woke him up to the possibility of oh just because i'm not putting it in purposefully there. and willingly consuming demon blood for the superpowers doesn't mean other people can't forcefully make me consume demon blood for the superpowers. Yeah, exactly. No, that's totally a good point. And I think a lot of it does come down to, again, this notion of Sam and control. Like, he feels like he is in control making his own decisions. And Mm -hmm. in this instance, like, part of the way he feels that control is by being specific about his food choices. Which, again, like, food and control, not a particularly healthy way to look at your diet. (laughs) Um, But that's not what this podcast is about, so I will abstain. But I did think it was important to to mention because we very often will mention Dean and food 
But I think that this is a really good example of Sam and it will continue to be relevant throughout the series. I can see that. I do just want to say, though, in terms of character traits in Sam, we get the line from Sam this episode that is, knock yourself out. And I just want to say, Sam, you should have the self-awareness to know that you're the one who gets knocked out. He can't remember because of all the concussions. (laughs) He just fully doesn't remember all of those fights where he ended up unconscious. Okay, so you seem uber-boned. Don't say that. I literally have a note that just says stop talking about getting uber-boned. But Dean can't help it if he's getting uber-boned by an angel. Oh my god. The fact that Dean goes, bite me, and Gabe says, maybe later, big boy. (laughs) Gabe's Um, just shooting his shot. You can't blame him. Oh, oh my God. I didn't even mention Sam earlier in the episode or at some point in the episode saying, like, oh, I've just got these scratches on my ribs. You just have to, like, wipe them off and, like, Lucifer will come running. And then Carly's like, is he going to just break them? I can't. Love it for her. Speaking of Dean and Gabe, though, I think maybe we have to talk about the scene in the car after Gabe's first quote-unquote death. First of all, I fucking love him going, psst, psst, Dean, <laughs> from the car. And then immediately being like, don't look at me, act natural. And then Dean, quote-unquote, acting natural is the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but no, I wanted to talk about scene in the car where Dean is saying to Gabriel, like, the smart-ass shell, the whole I-couldn't-give-a-crap attitude takes one to know one. And I was like, love to see some self-awareness. That's growth. Baby girl, so proud of you. And then he goes on to say, Gabe says, I can't kill my brother. And Dean says, can't or won't. And then Gabe doesn't answer and he goes, yeah, that's what I thought. And I was like, that's really interesting coming off the back of takes one to no one. It's also really interesting considering Dean, baby boy, I refuse to kill my baby brother under any circumstances, even to the point where if somebody else kills my baby brother, I will go and die to bring him back from the dead. Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole thing is like, takes one to no one. Like, he knows that Gabe can feasibly kill Lucifer. Mm-hmm. He just also knows that he just doesn't want to. I thought that was like super interesting. And it kind of like tied in quite nicely to my point from way back in Changing Channels where like I felt like Dean kind of Dean coded Gabe. But then they just were like, oh yeah, no, Dean was right. Gabe is Dean coded. Yeah. And I was like, oh damn, I forgot about this. I was like, I was really onto something. <laughs> Which is really funny because does that mean that like we then have to change? Because Dean is meant to be Michael Coden. The angels have already been like, well, nah, you thought about Adam, but like. You can't see Jamie, but she's holding her arms like, I don't know, maybe. You know, like the angels have already been like, yeah, nah, you're not it. But also like Michael's going to need a vessel and like this Dean dude ain't budging. Mm Mm-hmm. And they've already tried to use Adam to blackmail Dean. Like, they could do it again, but this time, like, actually have Michael possess Adam. Though I think that might be substantially harder now that Mm -hmm. Adam has a better idea that the angels are dicks. Well, we don't even know where Adam is. Mm. We know about as much about where Adam is as we do about where Cass is, because they both disappeared in the same episode, and we haven't figured that out yet. We just haven't dealt with that. Yeah, we just were like, you know what? We're just going to go on a road trip and get stuck at a hotel for a day. Like, you know, that's going to be what we do now. Oh, and we get the handy dandy information from Gabe this episode that we can shove him back in the cage. It just needs four rings. Specifically, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. We've already got one or two of them. We've got two. So we've got wars and famines. They've still got to kill death and pestilence. Or at least get their rings. Or at least get their rings. And the scene with pestilence 
Hits oh, different in COVID. I know that Hannah told us in My Bloody Valentine that she hates famine. I can't stand pestilence. <laughs> it's so uncomfy to watch. And yeah, especially in like, since the pandemic. Oh boy, it's different. I don't love it. <laughs> Something about the way his sticky, sticky fingers like trail over everything. And he sneezes directly in that guy's face. And the dude has his mouth open. I'm like, my guy, what are you doing? <laughs> it's so gross. It's so gross. I I can't. I mean, they're going to have to. I can't. Like, I'm assuming the show's going to go there. <laughs> I find it so funny because, like, this has been set up more than the gun that kills anything. But it still feels exactly like them setting up the gun that kills everything like three episodes before the finale. And I know that they've had like the horsemen there with the rings and that. Mm-hmm. Well, we've been saying for ages, like, God, guys, you need any other plan. Like, yeah. killing him is not working. Please think of any other plan. And hilariously, you have had this plan. Been like, just put him back. It was fine. Just put him back. Do you know how much had to like click into place for him to get out the first time? <laughs> like... Yeah, and Lilith is dead now. Mm-hmm. Azazel is dead now. So who is going to orchestrate his second escape? Man, no one. Clearly. <laughs> Girl boss, gatekeep, gaslight. My apologies. Stop underestimating my girl mate. Obviously the plan is to sort of, as Gabe puts it, like trick Lucifer mm-hmm. back in. Oh my God, does this mean that the get along cage is in Detroit? Because everyone's like, Sam says yes in, in Detroit. Detroit. Is the cage physically located in Detroit? And that's why Sam says yes in Detroit. To get him into the get-along cage. Okay, so here's the thing. From memory, I don't think the cage is in any specific location. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that the cage can be accessed from, like, wherever you Mm -hmm. are, basically. Like, you just need the key. So it could be accessed in Detroit Mm -hmm. if you were to attempt to open it in Detroit, yes. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's Detroit specific. Like, it doesn't have to be in Detroit to open the cage. Interesting, though, that you think that Sam would have to say yes to get Lucifer to go in the cage. Well, I'm not necessarily saying that he would say yes. I'm okay. saying that he tricks him into thinking he's going to say yes. In oh, the to, like, lure him. Because, I mean, that's exactly what Dean did. Mm, okay, okay. So we think you know that we're going to run the same con yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I can see that. I got you. I Except got for you. Sam's kind of more dumb than Dean. So he, he just genuinely says yes instead of tricking <laughs> him into thinking that he's going to say yes. And then it goes badly. And then we get Lucifer in a hideous white suit. What gets me, though, is that scene in the end implies that if Lucy got into Sam, he would, like, specifically dress him in, like, absolutely hideous clothing. But, like, he hasn't given a shit about Nick. Do you know what? That's a really good point. When is Nick's glow-up gonna be? Like, and obviously, like, some of it is just because the vessel is crumbling around him. But, like, he hasn't changed Nick's clothing. I think he should have. I think that would have been very entertaining. Like, every week, Lucy just shows up in, like, Mm. a new fun outfit. You know, it implies that he's gonna put on his snazzy outfit when he gets the meat suit that is Sam. But, like, he doesn't Mm. give a shit about Nick. Like, I mean, maybe that's part of it. Or maybe, hear me out, if the end, right, which is the episode where we see Sam Lucifer in the fancy white suit, if that was fabricated by Zachariah... Zacky boy put him Zachy in the fancy white suit. Put him in the fancy white suit. Zacky boy dressed him up. That's some decoupage if ever yeah. I see it. Zacky boy was like, oh no, you would just wear the same thing that Sam normally wears. I need to imply to Dean that this is in fact the devil. Mm. Fancy white suit. Mm-hmm. In that case, he also chose 
Castiel's bathrobe. His bathrobe? Well, doesn't he wear, like, the roby thing? Oh, I think he's just wearing, like, a shirt. Am I vaguely (laughs) misremembering that episode? I feel like in the orgy scene, he's wearing, like, a roby thing. I think he's just wearing a very loose shirt. But a bathrobe would be hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think that there is a interesting like meta piece there as well about like sam and autonomy and lucifer stripping him even of the autonomy of his own clothes do you know what i mean he's like oh you can't even continue to wear the clothes that you chose like i will choose your clothes like i'm gonna wear flannel (laughs) (laughs) while we're on sam Mm -hmm. i do want to do a quick shout out to his face during dean's entire monologue when he's like basically telling the gods how it's gonna be because i do just think that it's iconic like he's like what the fuck are you doing it's it's quite excellent oh i also do enjoy when the gods are like bickering and they just like get up and try to sneak away from the table and they fully like when gabe snaps them away they're like entirely speechless Mm. and i don't think we've ever seen them be speechless before but it's quite entertaining Mm. for me personally i do love the fact though that like gabe walks in and they're like oh gabe as if They didn't have the thought in their little brains of like, oh, maybe, (laughs) just maybe Gabe's our way out of this. Mm -hmm. And maybe we shouldn't out him as an archangel in front of... All of these gods that clearly hate archangels. Who have just said that we want to murder all archangels. Yes. Look, they're not the brightest boys. (laughs) I also love Sam being like, next time I say we keep driving... We should keep driving. And he's like, oh yeah, okay, next time. Like, next time we end up trapped in a hotel full of fucking gods. Okay. <laughs> it's a very sibling moment and I did very much enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do just want to say that one dude was like, this isn't a peep show, but he had the door wide open. Yeah, that has always confused me. I'm like, my bro, why are you getting changed with the door open? If it's not a peep show, then why is the door... Like, it's... Yeah, to close the fucking like, door. Like, I get that you're a god, but, like, he's walking around... That was what got me. He was walking around the hotel, and, like, all of these doors are fucking open. They're like, oh, the Winchesters are suspicious. It's like, well, I fucking wonder why. <laughs> oh, also, I want to just make a quick note. The line from Gabe in the beginning of the Casa Erotica of I've got the Keldasa you ordered, that was, like, a fandom thing for... So long. The number of times that people quoted that line, I don't know why, but it just really seemed to resonate with people. (laughs) Like, I remember seeing that all the time. I had a friend who was watching Supernatural, and I remember her quoting that incessantly. I mean, I like your shoelaces. Honestly, kind of like that. It was just so pervasive, and I just never quite understood why. I always assumed I was missing a joke, but like, looking back, I'm like, no, I really don't know why. So if anyone knows, like, if there's fandom lore here that I'm missing, please, God, enlighten me. But you're the fandom lore, girlie. Here's the thing, Jamie. There's so much fandom lore, no one person could contain it all. <laughs> I mean, I think I could contain it. You, can, you could try, but you haven't been there. I haven't even been there for all of it. You know, I was only there for the last five seasons worth. And I've got some backlog, but not all of it. Anywho, I have one last question for you. Oh. Do you have any other notes? Is that the question or? No, actually. Okay. <laughs> I so have two questions for you. The first one is, do you have any other notes? I have no other specific notes that I would like to Okay, make. in that case, I have one last question okay. for you. And that is in reference to the very end of the episode. We already talked uh-huh. about how pestilence has just grown up. But he gets in the car mm-hmm. and he's driving off. And the car begins to fill with a swarm of flies. And I need to know, do we think 
Do we think that they tried to shoot that scene with real flies first and then it didn't work and they had to use CGI? I do think that's exactly (laughs) what they did because like the Winchesters, they do not learn their lesson. Yeah, so they definitely learned nothing from the thousands of live bees back in season one and they definitely just released flies into this moving vehicle Mm -hmm. and then they were like, maybe not, and then they used CGI instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Great. Glad we solved that mystery. I think that brings us to the end of today's episode. So, Jamie, how would you rate 519 Hammer of the Gods out of five? I would just like to say that you lied to me. Did I? Yeah, you said one more question. Oh, well... This is, in fact, a question. Fucking, okay, well, then I guess I've got a couple more. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think these counted. I think I'm going to give it... I am genuinely tossing up between a three and a half and a four. Okay. Because Gabe is very fun. I loved Carly. I am very vindicated that we get Lucy. And the cage. And the cage. But I'm also kind of sad that they killed off Gabe. I don't love the lore piece of like, oh, well, actually, this Christian archangel is more powerful than all of these gods from all of these other religions. Yeah, it feels weird. Feels weird. I also don't necessarily love some of the weird Dean characterization. It Mm -hmm. wasn't like that egregious, but it was also kind of like, well... It's the same issues we usually take with Darb writing, which is, like, he's just weirdly horny in, like, a inappropriate way. In a sleazeball way. Yeah, yeah. Sleazeball so is just, a good word. You know, I don't necessarily love that, but they also, those examples are nowhere near as egregious as, like, say, after-school special. So it's like, I am, like, I'm tossing up, I'm debating. Do you have an opinion? You might be able to sway me. What, what would you say of this one? I actually enjoyed this episode a lot mm. more than I remember. Like, just watching it, it might have just been because I was watching it with someone else, and sometimes that does make a big difference. Like, I've been watching ahead, just generally, as we've been doing the pod, so that I can kind of try and remember what's coming up for conversational purposes. When I rewatched this episode by myself, I was like, oh yeah, it's fine. Mm. It was way more enjoyable as an episode watching it with someone else Mm. and like it might just be because there's like a lot of humor so like it's like laughter and it's like it's more fun to watch fun episodes like contagious you know like yeah it's like as much as i enjoy changing channels watching it by myself it's more fun to watch it with other people because like everyone's laughing so i think that that is maybe part of it i think it also comes down to like again we don't have a great gauge on how well things were presented in this Mm. episode yeah so like i would say from my position i would probably lean towards giving it a four if it turns out that there is something incredibly Mm. offensive in here that we are just not aware of because we don't have background knowledge Mm. obviously that changes my opinion but yeah i like i think is in terms of like as an episode i think that it was well constructed i Mm. think that it was pretty fun just generally speaking i also love carly i love having gabe i think there are a lot of like really fun comedic points Okay, I think I'll give it a four then. Pending peer review, if there was anything that was like massively big yikes about the religion stuff in this one, let us know. Yeah. And then it gets automatically docked down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I was surprised by how much fun it was. Considering the like thing of the episode and like also considering that it is actually really like opening up possibilities for like, you know, there's other religions that they're all kind of true, but like. You know what I mean? They're all trying, like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? Now I've got to deal with this religion's bullshit despite the fact it's not our problem. I do love that, but it's also, like, it's a premise that could have had a lot of exposition. And, like, 
we're gonna roast it for the fact that some of the exposition was looking like BBC Sherlock. Yeah. <laughs> but like also, I think the only piece of actual exposition was at the very end when they were like, oh no, you can just shove him back in the cage. And even that and was this like presented through Casa Erotica, which is like... So fucking funny that it doesn't... Like you forgive it for being an exposition dump because it's fun mm-hmm. and it's game and he can do no wrong. It's and a very creative way of presenting as exposition much as, dump. Like, I think he is, like, this is, like, a genuine death. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't come back in at some point. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him again. Whether that is, you know, like, he's actually time-travelling from the past or, like, you know, somehow they managed to resurrect him or, like, what have you. What I want to know, okay, this is not relevant to this episode at all. Okay. But what I do want to know is, does Chuck know that Gabe is an angel? Like, that the trickster is an angel? Because the book series has been written up to No Rest for the Wicked, end of season three. Yeah. Which means that they have met the trickster. So there's a couple of funny things here. Number one, I... Does Chuck know? Number one, I think Chuck has to know. Like, that's his kid. Like, <laughs> as distant a father as he is, like, I think he, he has to know, right? With Number... this protection, so good it will fool more than Number two... What is really interesting is, I didn't realise this until recently, I saw a Tumblr post about it actually, if you look at the list of titles in the canon Supernatural book series within the show, it's not every episode. And it is a fascinating list. It so misses a lot. Do Tall Tales or Mystery Spot make it onto the list? Do you know what? I don't know. Let me see if I can find Because it. I'd imagine Mystery Spot. Either that, or then you know Chuck knows, because otherwise why would he avoid writing about it? Because if I remember, you mentioned to this this to me the other day, and a lot of the books that are on the list are like, basically, if you were going to watch specific episodes of this show to make it a Sam main character show, and not a Sam and Dean main character show, they're the episodes that you'd watch. They're sort of the episodes that are more about Sam and less about Dean. So, I'm getting this from a blog called, oh god, I don't know how to pronounce it, Ilaru. I hope I said that right. I-L-A-R-U-A-L. And so they say, I think I figured out why the in-the-universe supernatural fandom is almost entirely comprised of Sam girls. Look at the list of titles of the Carver Edlund books published prior to 418. And so it's got Supernatural, which is like the pilot. Yeah. Wendigo, Phantom Traveler, Bloody Mary, Skin, Hookman, Bugs, Home, Asylum, Scarecrow, Faith, Route 666, Nightmare, The Benders, Shadow, Salvation, Bloodlust, Croatoan, Heart, Sin City, Fresh Blood, Mystery Spot, Juice and Below, No Rest for the Wicked. Mystery Spot. So Mystery Spot is in there, but as they go on to say, there's no dead in the water, no something wicked, no in my time of dying. I think we can reasonably reasonably assume that Salvation covers the events of both Salvation and Devil's Trap all as one, but they jump straight from that to Bloodlust. There are only three episodes from season two covered at all, and it seems to completely leave out John's demon deal and seemingly Dean's as well. There is no what is and what should never be. It completely skips past all hell breaks loose and jumps straight from heart right to Sin City. No wonder there are no in-universe Dean girls. Fans of the Supernatural books have barely even met Dean. Furthermore, we knew Chuck had left Sam's blood drinking habits out of the books because he wanted him to appear more sympathetic to the audience. But based on this list, it seems like the entire Demon Blood plotline was left out. Like, with the exception of Fresh Blood and maybe Mystery Spot, this is a list of books basically tailor-made to make Sam look as good as possible and place Dean firmly in the funny but violent sidekick role. This explains so much about the in-universe supernatural fandom, actually. And I was like, do you know what, Illa Rule? You are correct. It does explain a lot. But it also does open up the question of, is A good Chuck at this point? And B, if he's not God yet at this point, does he know that... Gabe is Gabe. 
I think he has to know Gabe's Gabe. I think he has to. What's the bet they would have learned that Gabe was Gabe a lot earlier if they just read the fucking books? <laughs> What's the bet? It's like a Crowley thing where it's like if you just read the fucking books. Okay, but no, because you would know. it can't be that because in 409, sorry, 59, when they're at the convention, Chuck says to the audience, how do you feel about angels? I promise they're not as lame as you think. So the audience who read the books can't know that Gabe is an angel. So maybe Chuck didn't know? Or purposefully left it out. Or like purposely he did left it out. Sam's demon blood mm, Interesting. Gabe is actually God's favourite and he's trying to protect him. Oh my god, what a fucking plot twist. But no, like, it's it's a good it's a good question. I don't know. They really didn't think this through, did they? I don't think they thought a lot through, if I'm being totally honest. I've I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think it's fucking hilarious that everyone's like, Oh yeah, Castiel, the first angel we meet. He's not Yeah, I know. It's just really, it's just really fun for me personally, like, to know that Gabe is an angel. Like, going back and rewatching those episodes is so fucking interesting, like, when you re- when you know. Like, you go back to those episodes and you're like, oh, your motivations are so... Like, we actually should go back and rewatch Mystery Spot. Now that you've seen up to Gabe's death, like, there... we should go back and watch yeah. it so you can look at his motivations and the things that he's saying to Sam about, like, playing his role and stuff, because it's interesting. Especially considering at that point, they definitely had not planned what was going to... Like, they had no fucking conception of what season four was going to be. They didn't even know they were going to bring angels in. That was still a pipe dream in the mind of one Sarah Sarah Gamble. (laughs) Anywho, we got really off topic. So you give the episode a four? Four pending peer review. Okay. The next episode is titled The Devil You Know. Do you have Mm -hmm. any thoughts, feelings, hopes, dreams, fears, or predictions? I mean, they know a lot of devils, so that really doesn't narrow it down. I'm assuming they mean, like, the devil, like, Lucy's coming back. No, I feel like we're going to see Lucy next episode. They're trying to get him saying We're starting to get to the pointy end of the season, like, ooh, it might be the devil you know referring to... It's death they've met, haven't is it? No, so they haven't met either death or pestilence. They so far met they've met war, war and, famine. and famine. And they've got both of those right. So this is going to be Every, the 20th everyone... episode. So they've got three episodes left to meet the other two horsemen. If they'd met death, I would say predict death. Mm-hmm. But because we saw pestilence at the end and they, we haven't met death at all. The closest we've got them to them meeting death is when Lucifer rose him and we get the like, hello, death. Mm-hmm. That's the closest we've got. Yeah. So I think we're going to see Lucy again. And I think we're probably going to get pestilence back. Because every other season, they've sort of had a more like lull episode before the finale but i don't think they're gonna do that here just because they seem to have a lot of shit they've got to fit into these next few hours they haven't really allowed themselves time to have a lull it's that bad pacing (laughs) coming in to bite them in the ass it's them realizing at midnight before the final assignment's due that they haven't even started it you know what I mean? Like, they're they're like, oh, fuck, no, we've got to, like... We've actually got to do something. We're not getting a sixth season. Yeah. <laughs> no one wants that. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. I, f- I feel like they're going to, like, it's going to be wrapping up. Seeing as you're pretty sure we're going to get Pestilence, do you have any thoughts on, like, what a Pestilence episode might look like? Well, I'm assuming Bugs. Not the episode Bugs. <laughs> just Bugs. It's like they're just going to rerun that episode. Because <laughs> it went so well the first time. <laughs> They were like, I don't think you appreciate this racist <laughs> piece of shit properly the first time. We're just going to do it again. Have it again. No, I think like literal bugs, but I think it's also going to be like disease. We saw him in this episode 
and he's snotting all over the place. Yeah. He's sneezing in people's faces. So I think it's going to be like weirdly prophetic of COVID. <laughs> you don't even know, man. <laughs> Considering they've already been weirdly prophetic about COVID like four separate times. Yeah. It is redonkulous. Okay, cool. I am keen to see what you think of next week's episode. Uh, next question is, do you think Cass will be there? No, I think he's still off hiding. All right, no worries. In that case, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you had as much fun listening as we have had recording. If you wanted to get in touch with us in any way, shape or form, you can always hit us up on any of our social medias. All of the links are in the descriptions below. And at the moment, we also have a link to our End of Kripke Era survey. Thank you so, so, so very much for everyone who has already filled it out. We very much appreciate it. It has been a delight going through your responses. And if you haven't already filled it out, we would ask that you please do, because it's a great way to give us a little bit of feedback going into Gamble era. All of that out of the way, if you did want to come and chat with us, some possible topics for conversation could include... Do we think that Chuck has got it at this point? And does he know that Gabe is actually an archangel? Mm. Because like this, it just make it make sense. Yeah, do you have any opinions, actually, I know that it was such a minimal part of this episode, but, like, if you have any opinions on the fact that those were the only supernatural books that were included in the written series within the show, if you've got thoughts on that, let me know, because I found that post a couple of weeks ago, and it really, like, threw me for a loop. I didn't realise how few episodes were included as the book series. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, and hopefully we have you back next week for The W You Know. Bye! Bye!